You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Archery Unfiltered, the show that cuts out all the nonsense and gets right to the core of what it takes to make you a better archer. Good evening, fuckos. I have an amazing guest tonight. A longtime friend of mine who just won uh, a national event. He uh, won in the... uh, the break the break the barriers 3D uh, national 3D event. Did I say 3D twice? He's my buddy Doug Rosen. Uh, he kicked a ton of ass this weekend, alongside with uh, longtime friend Randy Long. Um, it, just amazing. Uh, Doug won uh, first in senior men's freestyle. Randy won silver senior men's freestyle, and um, it is such a hard format. Imagine redding with smaller spots, right? And one arrow. You don't get to correct for a second arrow. That's it. You get one. So, um, really crazy format. Um, I mean, some would argue one arrow is less pressure, but some would argue it's more pressure. Who knows? Um, yeah. Randy and Doug. Kicking booty out there. Way to go, guys. Those are two expendables from right here in Northern California. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to a couple other people, um, listeners of the show, friends of mine, Alex Mueller, John Scar. Uh, these guys are, I mean, Alex is a very experienced shooter. John's kind of like an up and comer. Both those guys shot really good. And, uh, I think they should be very proud of themselves. You guys are coming a long way. Um, and to my friend, Bill Compton's kids, uh, Charles Compton and Abby Hulk, they both won their divisions, and then they won a team division together. Uh, pretty damn cool. <laughs> and that you know they shoot out of uh, the spot in uh, in I want to say Fresno. Um, I, for sure it's in Fresno. I just don't want I don't want to get mixed up with Clovis. But yeah, Bill Compton from the spot. Uh, his kids kicked ass. Uh, way to go, everybody. Um, man, I wish I could have been there with you guys. It was, uh, it sounded like a really, really fun event. So anyway, uh, I recorded an episode, uh, yesterday about, uh, a small incident that happened and I, you know, sometimes I come in hot, I come in heated, I say some stuff. I'm very passionate about talking. As you can tell, I enjoy talking, um, and I may have said something that ruffled some feather, some feathers. I ruffled a few feathers, or I, uh, I, I, some people close to me said it. It didn't look good on me, so I deleted this episode. I unpublished it. Me and Doug are going to talk a little bit about that in this episode, um, but I'm just going to put it behind me. It's not something I, I generally do. Uh, I have never unpublished or edited any of my shows. Um, to cut anything out or censor anything up until now 
because uh, the show is called Unfiltered. And I speak very candidly uh, and very honestly. So, you know, I, I you know, I, I kind of went ahead and I, I may have called a pro shooter a cheater. And, you know, some friends of mine were that I hold in high regard were telling me, hey, you know, maybe we should dial it back a bit. Normally when people tell me to dial it back, I dial it up, right? But uh, I'm trying to be a smarter individual now. So let's see, you know, see how this goes. I'm going to try to pave over it and do something a little smoother on this one. Um, this is a great episode. Doug Rosen. I'm sorry, Doug Rosen. I keep calling him Rosen because it just sounds more Hollywood. Um, Doug Rosen taught me some stuff that I'm going to be implementing on my target bow. I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm here with Doug Rosen. How you doing, Doug? I'm living the dream, Wendell. How are you? <laughs> living the dream? Dude, yeah. you are a national champion now. Well, yeah. No, 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 no. Let's not downplay it. Let's not downplay it. What you did was pretty damn amazing. Um, you won your class uh, by a handful of points. Looks like you. Yeah, five or six, something like that. It was five. Yeah, five points, and you beat. Yeah. You beat the legendary Tommy Daly. <laughs> Let me tell you, I think Tommy and I probably started competing against each other when we were like fourteen or fifteen <laughs> in the bow hunter division. So he he's been ahead of me just as many times as I've ever been ahead of him. <laughs> well, that's pretty amazing, man. Uh, I know Doug that you're like a pretty. You got a pretty badass resume as far as you know the type of shooting you've done and the amount of events that you've won and um i've been waiting to interview i've just been sitting knowing that you're gonna win something any minute now and then i was gonna pounce on you <laughs> well yeah well i'm glad i'm glad i won something i enjoy talking well, to you you win a bunch of you've won a bunch of stuff in the past i mean you, you you've you've won the state championship a few times correct yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're no stranger to uh, kicking butt here. Um, yeah. yeah, so tell me about the the Break the, Bar- the Barriers event and how, did, how it went down. So it is uh, arguably one of the best events California has. Um, so Jared and Mike both with Break the Barriers and their team do mm-hmm. a, an incredible job with the size of the event, just in pure acreage on this uh working farm right and the targets and the sponsorships it it's a lot of work and it's a very small team that puts in i i have to guess a weeks and weeks and weeks of preparation and work to make it work and Mm -hmm. it went off i don't i didn't hear anybody complaining about anything other than one small issue on a target (laughs) and other than that it was it was flawless. I mean, if they could have prevented the wind from kicking up, uh-huh. it would have been even better. But yeah, I can't. Uh, they, imagine, they can't control that. I can't imagine how hard it must be to to run a tournament where you have a hundred and was it a hundred and one or a hundred and two targets? Hundred and two targets. Hundred and two. Fifty one on each side. So God. It, yeah, it, it's a lot. Um, but it also takes a long. It's a long day of shooting. We we were six and a half hours both days mm-hmm. to shoot the fifty one. Yeah. And we were not the last one coming off the course. There were groups that were taking six and a half uh, oh, man. 
seven hours, seven and a half hours to get finished. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it can be a long day. I have no doubt. I like I you guys, especially any group that you're in, Doug, moves pretty quick. <laughs> we try to. I, I got to shoot with with great people. Uh, yeah, some people that I've wanted to shoot with that I just it just hasn't worked out because you know they're pros and they don't generally shoot with uh, people like me in the in the <laughs> scheme of things. But uh, just by luck of the draw and teaming up because shooting the team money you're going to shoot against other people shooting the team money in your same group so well okay so i know you just said like you kind of just alluded to being an amateur shooter but i know you you shoot with the wilderness crew uh you shoot alongside pro shooters you put down scores that are very equatable like you know what i mean you're very effective amateur it's not like it's not like you can't hang with pro shooters yeah, correct. Some of the pros I, I probably can't hang with, but for me, when I see the word pro, I equate that to people who are, for the most part, making a living at archery, mm-hmm. where when their 1099 comes in the mail, it says archer. <laughs> yeah. You know, my, mine does not. Mine. <laughs> well, I mean, there's also pros, you know, that, you know, just got the, uh, they just got the card or that they, you know, they shot the qualifying score or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah. And, and I don't take anything away from those guys. Uh, shooting in the pro class does have its advantages. People that, you know, like me, I would never be on some national pro staff because to do that, most of the companies require you to be a pro. Uh-huh. And I've never applied for a pro card. I've never really even been interested in it, but I've shot scores that I could pay my whatever it is, 150 oh, yeah. bucks oh, and yeah. qualify. Oh yeah, you most but definitely do. Th- there's very few senior pros in California, mm-hmm. if any. Other than Brian Webb, I don't know anybody that signs up for senior pro. Right in California, I know Quentin Early did uh, a couple years back up out of Reading, mm-hmm. um, and Randy Tucker has in the past. But th- there's it's a very small pool of um, people over fifty that are that are in the pro division, even in the regular division there there aren't a right do maybe you, a dozen guys who sign up as pros so do you stay in the the amateur class just because there's a larger pool of um competition no not necessarily i i just it, to be a pro doesn't there's nothing about it that benefits who i am or what i why i shoot so you don't like to stroke your ego with a little <laughs> nfaa card that says uh, no i <laughs> I have no desire to <laughs> have to worry about those things at this stage of my life. Oh boy. Now I feel dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, hey, to each their own. Cause everybody has their own reasoning for doing it. Um, yeah, well, I, I've also so, been in the boat where I'm like, eh, this is stupid. Well, why do this? You know, if I want to shoot money class, I'll shoot money class, but correct. And, and you don't for just about every pro division out there, you don't have to shoot. Uh, if you want to shoot for the money, you don't have to necessarily shoot in the pro class. Correct. You could just sign up for that that division that has the money in it and shoot it. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than NFAA, I don't know any other tournaments out there that require you to have a pro card to shoot in the pro class. Yeah, not, not you, that you I don't, know. You don't need it in Vegas. You don't mm-hmm. need it in any of the tournaments in California. Right. Um, so I know, Maybe in the know, ASAs or something, but... There could be. I I, I know. I I don't. That's the thing. I don't know anything nothing, about the yeah. ASAs. It's so funny how far removed we are from ASAs because just because we're Californians and we do 
Safari instead, you know? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. so give me the rundown of how your weekend went. You shot with so, uh, Randy as your teammate. You guys both won. Yeah, Randy division. Long was my teammate. He's, you know, arguably, you know, one of the nicest guys to shoot with. He's also super knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. His mental game is great because he'll keep you, you know, grounded and his demeanor never really changes whether he's shooting great or shooting poorly. So it, it, it's, he's a great partner to have. Can I ask something about that? Have you, has some of his uh, mental game strategy rubbed off on you? Because I've noticed this season in particular, you've been real even keel, like, you know, kind of foot on the gas confident, like all outdoor season. I think it helps just to shoot with archers who are better than you. Mm-hmm. So anytime you're shooting with guys who are better than you and you start kind of just watching silently from the sidelines and you start picking up things, mm-hmm. you can make a lot of uh, headway in your own game. And I got to do that this whole weekend with the people I shot with. So <laughs> I learned a ton and I really didn't have to ask a question or uh, seek advice. You can just literally learn by watching Right. You know, the top level pros, you know, wield their craft and go, okay, I picked up this and that. And you can take it and make it your own. Right. You can kind of pick up on their wavelength or like whatever Absolutely. frequency they're operating on. And, and then you can kind of tune in and, you know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah. So, I, and, and I, I got to see it firsthand. I mean, yeah, who, who, I got to shoot. With, I, with? I shot with uh, Paige Pierce, who I would argue could be you know, the world's best female archer on any given day. Mm-hmm. She's that good. Yep. Uh, her she, would, she would make a damn Tate, good man archer also. Uh, well, you know, there was a year at the, the field nationals that she beat everybody, yep. including the men. Yep. So there's no doubt she is. She, and I don't think any, I only think three people beat her score wise this weekend. So, wow. She's a, an absolute machine mm-hmm. just to watch her go about her business uh, she has like zero tension in her shot. Every you can watch a different part of her body; the muscles interact, and they are all—they just look loosey goosey, relaxed, and Man. she just straight pounded them in the middle. Just it, an absolute uh, show to watch her to do her thing, and, and it didn't matter whether it was eight yards or eighty yards; uh-huh. it was the same shot time and time and time again mm-hmm. so it was it was crazy and she shoots super slow arrows which makes her have to be even better on those tiny dots and she still pounded them by slow arrows do you mean um like point weight or her, her speeds her speeds are only in the like 250 to low 260 range i think on her bow is it because she shoots so, a lower poundage um you know i didn't ask i just uh oh, interesting I, I just imagine that whatever between her setup, she just doesn't mm-hmm. shoot a super fast arrow. And it's, it's probably dependent on draw length and arrow uh-huh. weight. And, right, right. And then, you know, I don't know much about the Bowtech cam system, if it's a fast cam or slow cam or anything. But right. she doesn't shoot a, a slow arrow or a fast arrow, which means she has to be even more precise with her yeah. cuts, with her uh, how she holds in the dot. All that stuff has to be more precise than say someone like me who shoots, you know, 290 and God I can damn. I can be sneaking out the bottom and still catch it if I make a <laughs> decent shot. So uh, she was great. Um shot with Tate Morgan and a Hoyt Pro who is mm-hmm. I, I think he is he 
flies under the radar. I, I yeah. just don't think people realize how good that guy is. Because, he earns every bit of that title of a Hoyt Pro. Yeah, I he, think he and he's he's freaky knowledgeable too about things that you just don't hear people talk about him because he's in this era where there are 20 stud pros and on any given day, anyone could win. But mm-hmm. when it comes to like, I know on at the state field on the animal round, he just crushes it. And he crushed these small dots like just a King. I was like, I, I was in awe at times how many 12s he'd shoot in a row. Man. And it was, it was crazy. Cause I, I think he shot the highest score on day one. Uh huh. So, and, and it was, it was impressive. I was, I was shocked. So, and he was another, he, he gave me a few tips and told me some things to do and I did them and I think it's helpful. And, uh, what, so uh, he, not, not to take just, you too far off, uh, but what bow did you shoot this weekend? I shot the, my Matthews, Your Matthews? 38 G2. Yeah. Sweet. sweet. Yep. Okay. It, so it shot, it shot good. What kind of tips did, um, I mean, if you care to share, what kind of... Oh, those are proprietary secret <laughs> so, I love it. For, I love it. For, for, for instance, a simple tip. Uh-huh. You know, we're shooting these Delta McKenzie's who've got... The, the orange is not the scoring ring. The orange is just an aiming reference. Uh-huh. There's an actual a, a 12 ring in the inside of those McKenzie targets, which I believe is like the IBO 11 ring, uh-huh. whatever that center small one is. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's an etched in cut line. Mm-hmm. And he said, Hey, don't lube your arrows because I was lubing my arrows because I wasn't pulling them. I was scoring. Uh-huh. And he goes, Hey, don't, don't lube them, leave them dry because you'll pull that line mm-hmm. into your arrow. If you're on the edge. And I was like, man, I'm an idiot because I would have never thought about that, <laughs> but I've never shot ASA. Right. So, well, and you don't, you, you don't pull a line in safari. It's right. A, it's a, it's an etched cut line. So Correct. those kind of things I would have never even is, um, dreamed of thinking of what uh what arrow were you shooting i was shooting the uh, gold tip pierce tours you shooting the pierce tours mm-hmm. very cool yeah, yeah yeah the small ones um pierce tours there were a few guys running some big arrows but not many most of them were all running target field type uh-huh. arrows because I, I mean they gotta make surgical shots i i would imagine show yeah um yeah the gold tip arrow i find is like already really hard to pull out of stuff it grabs mm-hmm. it for some reason. It just grabs like bail or like whatever you're shooting, target bail, you know, yeah. uh, Reinhardt, whatever. It, it just pulls it on the way in. Um, yep. I was joking with Mark that we should be taking a 3M t- uh, sticky spray and like <laughs> spraying our <laughs> tips of our arrows down before. But yeah, you so, could. It was, uh, but they're a great arrow. There's, mm-hmm. uh, I I know this. They're they're a better arrow than I. I'm an archer, so. <laughs> I, I'll never blame my arrow for being the problem of why I missed. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you, Doug. I'm shooting the Pierce Tour also. So yeah, yeah, it's a good arrow. Yeah. So who else was in your group? And then, and then we uh, let's see, and then Randy, and then we finished off our group with uh, Heather Gore, Hoyt Pro. Oh, cool. And Zach Kurtzall, the Hoyt President, oh, was in our group. So, and Heather and Zach and I, uh, and then Barry Smith, uh, all and Kenan Smith. Uh, uh, Heather's husband stayed all stayed in the, the same house, so I was with most of those people all weekend. Oh, cool, man! That sounds like a very yeah, mellow, so, uh, like a very mellow. It was a group. great group. Uh, <laughs> I shot, I shot with Zach 
I don't know, maybe like six or seven years ago at Nevada City uh-huh. when he was just, a, you know, a lowly Hoyt engineer, you know, nobody. Uh-huh. <laughs> but then, you know, now he's president. But he's he's another guy who is uh, he's quiet, humble, but a wealth of knowledge, except he uses some terminology that I don't understand when he was talking about thrust factor. And, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't I don't know what that means, but it sounds cool. Uh but then you know he could explain it to me in layman terms. Like I'm a first grader, he could draw me an etch a sketch and with crayons and show me what he meant. That's what my but brother. Would, my brother's an engineer, and he he breaks everything down for me. And I'm like, uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm more the simple thing. Most of my smarts comes from like street smart, common sense stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, book smart is not my my strong point. <laughs> Ah, bullshit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you're a little book smart. <laughs> so, how did uh, how did the first stage treat you out there? And let let me ask you, Doug did the did the size of the the aiming uh, you know the orange aiming spot did that the size of that um, trip you up at all? Or I mean, I know you yes. sh- you've shot this event before, right? So you knew yes, this, what this to expect. This is the third third year. Well, I've shot it every year since it's been on this property. But mm-hmm. for me. It certainly, I think, hurts me because uh-huh. I will tend to, because the dots are so small, I tend to over-aim. So I started out, we shot a practice round on Friday, and I went in with the mindset is I'm just going to give everything a half a yard, and I'm just going to let my pen settle at the bottom of the dot, mm-hmm. and I'll be fine. But mentally, because my subconscious is smarter than my conscious, I knew I was giving it a half yard so i'd hold even lower because i was afraid to blow him out the top oh, so yeah. my my strategy didn't quite pay off like i wanted it to uh but you know i was you know my my goal was to shoot half of the half of them if i could get 51 out of 50 out of 102 i thought my score would be good enough to win uh-huh. and and i sh- i shot over that so i felt pretty good with my my goal mm-hmm. But I did have a tendency to over aim. I shoot like a I shoot one of those DSA lenses, and so it's a nineteen thousandths fiber, but it's sixty five thousandths etched total. Uh-huh. And at times, on some of the shorter ones, my fiber and etching would cover up the dot, and I would be on it, and then I'd move it to make sure I was on it. Right. And it was it was a terrible thing because it it, it lengthens my shot timing. And then you get in the habit of doing that. Yeah, and then you say, oh, I'm, I'm on it, and then I move it, and I'm on it, and I move it. And I, I just needed to trust it a little bit more. And then once I started trusting it, you know, I'd get on some strings of 12s and then, mm-hmm. you know, chase butterflies in my mind and shoot a couple 10s. <laughs> and so, well, um, just judging from your score, it looks like you hit a whole, whole grip of, uh, grip of spots there. Um, so uh, about how long did it take for you to um, kind of get comfortable covering the target? Because it looks like, uh, I mean, I know, you know what you're talking been, about with the peaking. Like yeah. I, I do that from time to time as well. But if just mm-hmm. just looking at your scores, I mean, I wasn't there, so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't ask you in person. But you know, just yeah. looking at your scores, it looks like you snapped out of it relatively quickly. Yeah, my mine were streaky. I would. Uh, starting off the morning, I think I, the first morning, Saturday morning, I think I started off with four or five tens and they weren't solid. They weren't solid shots. They were really kind of weak mm-hmm. guessing if my numbers were going to be right. Mm-hmm. And then once you start hitting a couple twelves, you start getting confident and you start shooting stronger shots and you right. start believing in it. But 
the dots were so small, you could make a really, really good clean shot and still not catch it. It's like shooting the animal around in the NFAA. Right. Just because you broke a good shot doesn't mean it's going to be right inside that tiny little dot. Right. It's almost like so, making that dot is like a bonus. Or you know, in the pro class, you get um, you for, yeah, bonus for, rings. Yeah, for the field, <laughs> if you get the X, you get a point, right? Yeah. And I feel yeah. like with this kind of shoot, that dot is so small. Like you, like you're shooting for bonus points, basically. Yes, and, and and I'm not used to like even on the animal round. I really don't like to even practice it because it gets me in bad habits of over aiming, and mm-hmm. it makes my shot go longer. And I, I'm not the, I don't have the cleanest execution. Like I don't have the perfect shot timing. Like some people always shoot between eight and nine seconds. Well, I can shoot between eight and twenty eight seconds. It's <laughs> it's really dependent on. A lot of factors for me. So I shoot between four and twenty-eight seconds. Too. Yeah. So uh, if if I can get my shot to go off inside ten seconds, I can be good because it holds really good for the first half of my shot. And then, like everybody, uh, the longer you hold, the faster it starts to break down. Yeah. So yeah. But, so. But every archer has experienced that, so it's not an anomaly to me. We we all hold really good at the beginning, and then. Mm-hmm. The ones who are really, really good hold really good all the way through it. Right. So there were shots uh, this weekend that Tate, we were talking, and, uh, you know, like a 44 yarder, the, the orange dot was maybe an inch and a quarter or something. And right. he would say that his, his pen, there was orange all the way around his pen when it broke. And I was like, my God, I, I can't even fathom holding that small <laughs> of a, a circle, you know? That is some impressive, <laughs> yeah. some an impressive hold. Where for me at those forty-four yarders, I would get an inch left and an inch right and an inch above and an inch, and I would just have to try and bury my eyes on the dot and just hope that subconsciously my release broke when mm-hmm. it was in the color, uh, because I couldn't hold that steady compared to someone like Tate. So right. No, I know uh, that I know the feeling, Doug. I struggle with the same thing that that you do. Um, sometimes I can, I, I can get comfortable, uh, smothering the target, you know, like I, I it, it, like I have a little black dot. I shoot a little black dot and not a pin, but mm-hmm. I, I'll, in my mind, I'm calling it smothering, but I feel like I, I can smother the spot long enough to break a shot. Yeah. It's not the yeah. cleanest, it's not the cleanest thing, and but mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems to work a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how did so it? The so, on the first day, did you come across uh-huh. that extremely short target that you had to cut? Cut um, add on? Or no, that... m- most of the short ones were on day two for the money guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so we shot the McKenzie side first, which is the side that heads kind of south from uh-huh. the uh, main area, uh-huh. and then the Delta side was shot second day, which kind of heads to the north. Um, the real tough cut ones were on day two for. For us on the short ones, we had some tough cut ones for a distance, but all the short ones for the most part were on day two for us. Well, can you walk us through how you approach the, I want to say it's a, is it three yards and extremely steep downhill? I think it comes into effect before three yards. I think around the seven, eight yard range uh-huh. when the angles get more than like 23 percent uh degrees mm-hmm. then you start actually 
giving it more instead of cutting you add add yardage so yeah and i wish i knew the science behind it in the you know in a way to explain it um <laughs> i but, tried you know i tried but i can't told, <laughs> the, the guy who first walked me through it was dave cousins we had the first year we shot the outlaw at lodi we had like an 11 yarder off of like a timber cut or mm-hmm. for a, a and i mean it had to be there were people who had to take their sidebars off because they couldn't they, they were hitting them in their side uh-huh. and was that it, was that downhill into two little bears yes two little bears and uh i i don't know i ranged it and it was like a 10.3 with the cut but it was measuring like 13 i was like this is weird so i shot it for 10.3 and i held bottom of the dot and i just caught the top of the dot with both my arrows but that was like it was a big dot it was like a two inch dot at 10 yards Mm -hmm. and so afterwards i talked to dave and he goes he goes just you when you get to these super extreme angles at short distances he goes a good starting point is put it on your mark and take a full turn off and i was like that seems really weird (laughs) but it worked because i I believe i asked you to go out and shoot the one at redwood bowman that 17 Mm -hmm. yarder off the rocks Uh uh-huh and you said the same thing. You said, hey, go to your, your highest mark, which was 14 yards, and give it like a turn and a half, and there's like a little dash above your tape. Mm-hmm. And you were like, shoot it at your dash. And I was like – and when we got there, I thought the same thing. I was like, this is – I'm going to lose points right here. And I did exactly what you said and, and caught them both. And I was like – so there is, you know, that, that point, the angle, when it gets over like 23, 25 degrees, where you need to, to add yardage versus take it away. Now, if, and I, and if I don't you, know why. If if you range it and your rangefinder does angle compensation, does it does it compensate correctly, or is this something that you have to math out? No, it it will like I I don't even worry about what the rangefinder says. Like well, we have the uh, we had an eight. I think on day one we had an eight yard. No, we had a we had a seven, maybe a seven or eight yard or six yard alligator that was really steep, maybe mm-hmm. in the 30 degree range. Uh-huh. And we tried to simulate that at the house we were staying at. And for the most part, um, at eight yards on like 25 degrees, I had to shoot it for like nine and a half, which at those distances was like a turn and a quarter on my whole knob. So That's right. like tw- 25 clicks. So, but my rangefinder said it was like 7.1, but I shot it for like 9.4. So I, I should probably do some more testing and see whatever the cut says, add what the cut is to the the original number. And it probably gets you closer and see if you can, if it just cuts reverse. Yeah. Yep. Um, so did I have to test that theory and I I haven't done any of that. Did you get that one? Was that one? Yeah. The, the only one I missed uh, on the short ones is we had a three-yard, I don't know, like a woodchuck with like a dime-sized dot on it. <laughs> and I, I initially was telling myself to shoot it for four yards, and then I kind of second-guessed, so I shot it for four yards, but I held bottom of the dot, and I blew it right out the top of the dot. Uh-huh. So. I needed to take more and I didn't. Uh, so I probably needed to go, you know, into the five yard range with that one. And, but you know, everybody has that, you know, that woulda, shoulda, coulda targets that are out there. True. True. Yeah, that- I, mean, I shot an, I shot an eight on an 18 yarder. So, uh, 
Uh, that those, happens too. Those are always a kicker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, like day two got very, very breezy uh, once we mm-hmm. got up on top. Uh, wow. So you got to shoot the breezy section and the long targets. Yeah. But, you know, the. Is the 100 yarder on the second? Was that, did you guys. Yeah. That was our second day. That was the only one that had wind. The other two long ones, the 77, 79, or whatever they are back to back, they, we caught those like our fifth six seven targets in the morning somewhere in there i saw and the wind hadn't hadn't really kicked up yet i saw tate crush that 100 yarder yes he did um this was another thing i learned because and and tate didn't have to tell me i just watched Mm -hmm. so randy long and i got up there and there's a pretty good breeze blowing from our right to left and you know we just kind of talked about it and we said i'm just gonna i'm gonna hold right edge of the dot Mm -hmm. and we both pumped arrows down there and they were like six inches left good elevation but six inches left which means they drifted about 11 inches Uh and then randy told me he goes hey we should have shot these instead of together we should have shot one at a time so we could learn something and i was like yeah i'm I'm a slow (laughs) learner but that makes a lot of sense and then tate shot very last and he literally paid attention to the wind drift on all those and i don't know if he if he bubbled over or held over, but mm-hmm. um, he did one of the two and then he, he smoked it. So Damn. that was him being more experienced in the, that field game of understanding wind and uh, taking advantage of not shooting first. Right. And, and reading uh, the target. And Yes. It, it was, it was really smart of him to do that. So now I look at that and I was like, well, on these kind of targets again, I'm going to pay attention to that. And even uh, Zach, who, you know, people that don't know him, Zach used to be a, when he was shooting all the time, he was a stud. Mm-hmm. I think he shot in the 1530s at Reading before. So Holy the guy God. can flat pound. And he's like, hey, reading this, you know, we're not, we don't have much wind here, but look down at the target. The grass is just laying down left to right. Mm-hmm. So you have to, he goes, you should take the, take that into account and he goes and you can watch the wind down there too and you know you see the grass start to stand back up he goes maybe that's the time to shoot so there was a lot of things i don't really consider when i shoot i just i kind of wing it and go yeah the wind <laughs> looks like there's a little lull in the wind here i'm gonna send one <laughs> no, no, and, <laughs> doug i know you play it like a grip it and rip it guy but i know you are you have so no, much more I, fidelity than that I, I I can't I'm not a big bubble a bubble guy so I yeah, hold off same. Or, but I'll, I'll I hold off as well yeah but I I don't have like a like a science behind it I go oh that looks like it could be <laughs> yeah. three or four inches and I <laughs> yeah. hold off the dot maybe uh, about there <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yeah man. that's that's my science all you wilderness guys play it like uh, oh well I'm just I'm just here to play around and we'll see what happens. <laughs> We, that's what we do we and then do back at the around. back at the airbnb you're like oh let's see what the cut is on this plus one yard <laughs> well we did uh heather, heather was smart heather took notes from the year before yeah so yeah. she had a good idea of what um we had shot because heather was my partner last year so uh shooting him back at the house it was uh helpful to to have her notes to rely on and how uh-huh. she was shooting them so that's brilliant um, like that's yeah, that's literally super brilliant. smart. Like, and what did I do? I didn't take a single note. Either, <laughs> so next year it'll all be fresh again. You know what's funny, Doug? I just started taking notes this year, <laughs> so yeah, it, I'm not far behind wise. you, dude. <laughs> when you have significant 
targets like that, they're, they're worth it. I take notes on bows when I'm working on bows and mm-hmm. I get to set up the trite. Uh-huh. I write all my notes down about them, all the specs. But mm-hmm. uh, other than that, I, I don't do much on the target side of writing down targets <laughs> and tournaments and stuff, which I should. I got to say, that's, um you know, finding the cut on that target is, you know, we have to shoot short targets all the time. That's our homework. But that target mm-hmm. in particular is homework and a half. Because it's, yeah. it's like you can't just walk up to a a block target in the back of someone's truck and get your short yard short yard uh no. work. you know that's that's when you yep. really got to plan for and work out so yep uh, you, you have to shoot them and there's people don't realize the difference between like eight feet and nine feet on right. your tape that's like it's like seven yards on your <laughs> it's, tape it's so you huge. you better know <laughs> where you're standing are you standing at the three yard mark or are you standing at the eight foot mark yeah so it's, it's a big difference oh big time Big time. I, I agree. Uh, oh, the short marks are always like the bane of my uh, my shooting existence. <laughs> but Yep, yep. I, I know. I, I recognize that. So, okay, you're shooting your Matthews bow. Uh, what kind of let off are you shooting on it? I'm curious. Uh, I was on that tournament shooting the 80%ers like 80%. you are. Sweet. Based on your recommendation. Are you liking it? I No. <laughs> and I'll, and I'll tell you why it's not it's not because the the bow doesn't hold well the bow holds well whether i shoot the 70 v's uh-huh. the 75s or the 80s the difference is is the holding weight helps my execution mm-hmm. so when i'm holding on the 80 v's or the 80s i only hold like 14 and a half pounds uh-huh. and I almost need that extra tension pulling on the string to help my release break. Uh-huh, to get you to um, hold sh- it to shoot, the wall, right? Yeah, so I, I shoot a button, uh, but I shoot it like a hinge. Right. So when I'm trying to relax that hand and get it to go, that tension from the string, that pulling tension, helps. So uh, I switch back to the 75s uh, Monday I don't even know what, what day it is, but whatever day it is. But Monday I came home and I switched back to the 75 and I've been shooting this week and I do like it more because it just helps me with my, yes, my I, timing, my execution. Dude, I totally believe it. Um, you know, I've talked to Ben Hobbs said the same thing, uh, you know, lower let off will help you stay into the wall and get mm-hmm. you put, you know, pushing against the, the holding weight, which is what you want to get that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It, it it makes a lot of sense, although it is like I can let my shot timing go a little longer in the 80s because mm-hmm. it stays. It doesn't break down as quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the higher holding weight also breaks my shot down quicker, too, but not so fast that I can't get a good arrow out. Right. Right. Now, that makes sense. Uh, so tell me, Doug, how do you have your arrow set up for this? I know you got Pierce Tours. Did yeah, you- I. Is you just running do, your Safari Arrow, right? This is your yep, your outdoor so, arrow. Yep, I run my Pierce Tours. I'm shooting the Flex Fletch 225s. Hey, me too, man. With the the Gold Tip HD Mini Knock, 120 grains up front. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing crazy to them. Uh, no wraps or anything. Right. And I, I don't know. They're like 352 grains and. Dude, I'm shooting it, him at it literally 59 sounds like and a half pounds. We're shooting the almost the same arrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 a good arrow. Uh, yeah. So so why not? Um, <laughs> um, do you, okay. Do you do any 
indexing on that arrow. Absolutely. Do you do it through paper? You do the uh, the bare. I, I do it. I do it through paper. So I've in the past I've done both. I've I've taken a dozen gold tips mm-hmm. and indexed them through paper bear shaft to an mm-hmm. absolute perfect bullet hole, every one of them, mm-hmm. and then fletch those arrows up, and the indexing marks were fine. They still shot perfect bullet holes after they were fletched. Mm-hmm. And then I've fletched arrows up first and indexed them and still got them to be the same. So for me, it doesn't matter whether I flex, fletch them first or second, I still index them afterwards. Gotcha. Um, either way. Uh, uh, do you and do that's, it? that's oh. a Gillingham thing. And he just, Right. He said, Hey, you can get a hooter shooter all day long, but you still, you need to put your own torque and your own shot yes. into it I agree. to get them to come out of the bow for you, not for anybody else. Because my knock index arrows may not fly the same out of my bow as somebody else shooting my bow right. just because of hand position, hand torque, how they execute the release, how they hold into the wall. So many factors. Dude, I believe that 110%. Someone was telling me that I should take a hooter shooter out to 80 yards and test it and remove the human element. And my response was, well, there's no time that there will not be a human element involved in this. So there's, yeah, you know. If, if, you're, if you're doing, I remember that I watched that video. If the video is for you specific, like you want to know what's best for you, mm-hmm. then I think you shoot them. Mm-hmm. But if, if the information is scientifically, this is what the science says, then a hooter shooter would be I appropriate. Guess but that if, is a good point. But if, but if you're shooting them for like what works best for Doug, I shoot all four of those arrows and find the best grouping arrows. That's best for me. I was just but, trying to see if I could get an advantage out of one or the other. I guess ultimately yeah. it comes down to, you know, it is all going to be tailored to myself and mm-hmm. my own bias is getting put into the bow but i i was just looking for i don't know i i can see the i can see the other side of the argument as well but um, yeah yeah okay so you bear shaft or no you do bear shaft or fletch through paper get it a bullet hole and then is the, are you done with tuning at that <clears throat> point or like what, only, what else are you doing once i get my bow tuned inside like in the garage with the paper and indexing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The only other changes I make is I will go out to the range and I do a modified block back. I shoot at three yards and I shoot like a, a, a line, a, an ink line. I don't, uh-huh. it's, it's the size of, I don't know. It's a 30 seconds of an inch wide. And at about three yards, I move my sight until my arrows are hitting dead nuts on that line. And then I go back to nine yards and I shoot the same exact shot. And if I'm left or right, then I move my rest micro. It doesn't take much at all at nine yards uh-huh. until my arrow hits that same line at nine yards. And then I go back to three yards. And when those marry up where my pin and my, my arrow rest have moved to the same exact spot, then I'm done with center shot. And then I, I don't really tune after that. I'm done. You just go three and nine? You, you don't go to yeah. like 50 or... Well, this, this is the reason I don't is say like the old method of walk back tuning was like shooting your 20 yard pin at 20, 30, 40, and 50. Right. And seeing your, your arrows line up on a vertical line. Uh The downfall is, is that say your vertical lines a half inch, what you're shooting at, at 20 yards, it's no problem hitting that. But at 50 yards, 
if you're a half inch left or right of that line, is your center shot off or are you, is that just a human error coming into play? <laughs> that's a good, if I'm, that's if a, good I'm point. a half inch left at 50 yards, you might as well <laughs> tell me I'm dead center because that's a damn good shot. <laughs> yes. But at three and nine, I have found that at three yards, it, it makes your short ones. You don't have to worry about missing left because a lot of people have to hold over a little bit to the right because their center shots, not perfect. Mm-hmm. And their arrows are pushing out to the left a little bit. But at three and nine with your arrow rest and your pin matching up, I've never had anything at those long distances not be in line. Uh, about so, how many times does it take to go between three and nine before you get them to, um, to join up? Is it, you know, some, you sometimes it's, it's once or twice. Um, it doesn't take much. Um, if like with the Matthews, because of just the way they're, you know, I set my Matthews up. I set it 13 sixteenths uh-huh. and I top hat it till I get a bullet hole. Uh-huh. Simple as that. And then I go out and I shoot my three and nine. And once I get my pin lined up where it's hitting at nine, that nine yards, I'm never more than like the width of an arrow shaft left or right. So mm-hmm. it's just a very small touch of the arrow rest. So it's still it really close to 13. Yeah. Just, not even the width of like the line on your uh, arrow rest, the scale. Uh-huh. Just the width of a line is enough to move it a half inch or more at, at nine yards. Damn. So it doesn't take much. And then my alignment uh, is spot on. I just I just set up a, a guy's bow today for him, and we went out to the range when it was over with, and we did that. And we went back and we shot. Aside from he got his, his short mark, his long mark, and then we went back to 100 yards, and he was still – his alignment was just fine, just as good as he's ever shot alignment-wise. Hot damn. So I, This is something – And I, I think it's – Oh, go on, Doug. I'm sorry. I, I just think it's, it's easier for someone to shoot a 9-yard target really well mm-hmm. than to shoot a 50-yard target and not be – I mean, even if you were like – an inch and a half left at 50 yards. Is that really a really poor shot? Or is that just a little bit of human error where your bubble right. might've just been from the inside part of the line to the outside part of the line. It just doesn't take much. Right. Is it like, it could still be a decent shot. It's just not giving you what yeah. you want to see. And and you can always, if maybe you get to hundred yards and you're burning the left edge of the dot, <laughs> then maybe you just, just barely give it just a smidgen at the long distances. But, I I just have found for me that three and nine work out well. And I forget, I I didn't invent that. Someone told me about it and I was like, Oh, I'm a much better shooter at nine yards than I'm at 60 yards. So I'm going to shoot it at nine. I've never heard that before, but you better believe it. I'm that's okay. So I've, I think I've been struggling with the way I'm setting up my center shot. So I'm going to give that a try tomorrow. Yeah. And and, give it a go. I get that dude. What's so, um, what speaks to me about that is the the same theory applies with sight marks, right? Where some guys will go and try to get an eighty yard sight mark, and you know they'll do yeah. like a twenty and eighty, but maybe they can't find, you know, maybe they can't punch a solid hole in at eighty, so they're Correct. getting a, a fudged number. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I I don't like sight marks for me are, especially with people who are not, and I don't think I'm a great archer. I think I'm a just above average archer. Well, you're a national but champion. I don't, so. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't shoot an 80 yard mark because I can tell you this at 80 yards, my groups aren't as good as they are at 70. So right. my long mark is 70 
because I feel like at 70 yards, I can keep that pin inside the dot during my entire shot process. Mm -hmm. But at 80 yards, sometimes I start to see, I start to get edgy on it and I start to get left and right or up and down. And then what happens is I start over aiming. Yeah. So, and then it's, and like, I, it's like, you got a whole nother thing it, to contend then it's with. Just, yeah. Then you're, then you're, cause you tend to over aim anyway when you're getting marks because you're trying to find the perfect mark. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't do 20 yards because most of us humanly can't tell the difference of three or four clicks at 20 yards. Cause there's just not enough movement on your arrow the impact point. Mm -hmm. So I do 25 yards and I shoot the birdie target, the, you know, the NFA birdie target at 25 yards. <laughs> oh, damn. And if, if I can shoot all six of my arrows in the dot and three or four of them are on the X, then I feel like my, my short mark at 25 is really pretty <laughs> solid. I was going to, I shoot the birdie target at 20 <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and now I'm like, okay, now I got to do the 25 also. <laughs> yeah and and sometimes i only get my 25 close uh-huh uh and because like say your mark is 25.45 mm -hmm. well at 25 yards if you were to cut it loose at 25 65 mm -hmm. you were still well within the dot at 25 yards True. your point of impact at for four clicks is maybe a quarter inch yeah so yeah. sometimes I'll shoot my 25, I'll get it really close, you know, within a few clicks one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And then I'll get my long mark really solid. And then I'll go to like 40 and I will get the cleanest mark I can get right on top of the X. Uh -huh. And then what I do is I just, I, I move the 25 yard mark a couple clicks one way or the other until the 40 yard mark matches up. Oh, until it lines up. And, is this on Archer's Advantage? And, Either one, either uh -huh. Archer's Advantage or Archer's Mark. Mm -hmm. uh, that way I know, because at 40 yards, you can you can tell when you're one or two clicks off of middle-middle. So I will shoot a short mark, shoot my long mark, and then I shoot you know, any type of longer long mark, like uh -huh. a 40 or 35 where you can really fine-tune it. Uh -huh. And then I just manipulate my short mark to where the 70, 40, and 25 all match up. And then I know I'm got a pretty good set. It's like of marks. A, ver a verification mark. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if I get to forty and say, you know, Archer's advantage said to shoot it for thirty five point one five, but I'm really burning them right in the middle at thirty five point two five, then I just manipulate my twenty five yard mark by a couple clicks, bring those together, and it feels like it's pretty solid. That is freaking brilliant, dude. I, it, we all go about the same thing different ways. And, yeah, yeah. And the way you did it seems better to me than the way I do it. And like I, I'm literally going to try this this week. Um, I think this is like well, some. I I knew I knew you were going to have this good stuff, man. <laughs> hey, I didn't invent any of this. I, I know. Am, I, I know. am just passing on what people have better archers than I have told me it's I mean, stuff you've that's collected. all i'm doing it's stuff yes. you've collected over yes. you know yeah. years of uh shooting and stuff if my knowledge was a book it would be all plagiarism because <laughs> i have i just i utilize what other better archers have showed me uh i'm not i don't i don't take much advice from guys who don't shoot as well as i do because right. then i think well you know are, is this good advice? Um, right. It's like taking weight but loss. People who advice. shoot better than me, I 
I tend to believe that they probably know what they're talking about yeah. sometimes. It's like taking weight loss advice from fat guys. It's like, nah. Yeah. Now nah, I'm going to go yeah. talk to the, the dude that's running yeah. the marathon, you yeah. know? The, the, the fat guy who's the track coach probably isn't going to instill a lot of confidence in you. <laughs> oh, man. So, let's see. Uh, okay, you got gold tips. You're shooting a Matthews bow. Are you shooting a blade or are you shooting a, a hammy? I'm shooting a hamski uh, drop away. Yep. Um, I'm shooting. I'm not shooting any of the new ones, not Epsilon or the, what was the other one? Trinity. Trinity yeah. I'm shooting the, the micro target one. The OG one. Uh, yeah, and I, probably because I have three or four of them, and I'm, <laughs> they all work literally the same, and I don't need to go out and buy the latest and greatest so it looks new. Uh, that makes sense. They, they all work just fine. And, and the old ones are the lightest ones anyway, and mm-hmm. uh, it oh, just yeah. keeps, my, keeps my mass weight down to where if I want to increase it, I can put it on bars versus putting it on the bow itself because right. my accessories weigh a lot. Oh, that I dude, I get you. I, I'm right there with you. Are you running a blade on your Hamski? I am. I'm running uh, the best blade. I'm not running any of the Hamski ones. Mm-hmm. And you, you've I'm been not, running I'm, that blade for a long time, like that. Long time, yeah. Well, since day one, uh, I did buy some of the composite ones that uh-huh. Hamski came out, and I wasn't sure I liked them, so I put my my other blade back on. And then I think it was two years ago at Reading, uh, the group in front of me. Well, it was the year that. Uh, Domago one. Uh-huh. They he he shot. He was like thirty five A. I was like thirty five B. So he was in front of us all week or behind us all week. Uh, in that group, there was like two guys who broke those uh, composite ones. Oh, shit. and I was like, well, that just gives me, you know, made my decision easier that uh-huh. I felt like I made the right. So, so I run the the Hamski, the little square backer they have. It's like maybe a three eighths of an inch tall. Uh huh. I run that behind my, uh, and I run a 12 thousandths blade at probably maybe a 30 degree angle. I don't mm-hmm. run it straight up like a lot of people do. I have a little bit of uh, softness to it, mm-hmm. and then I run that as a drop away. And okay. I set it up just, I set it up just like you. Uh, I think we got our setups from Wilkie. Yes, and, sir. Uh, Wilkie is another people don't really. He's a He's an archery guru, man. He he knows a lot, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I shot with him. He was a partner of mine in the Outlaw up in Nevada City. It's the first time I ever shot with him, and the dude can just straight pound it. I remember. Uh, did did he, he shoot? One of the best archers I've ever shot with. Did him, he shoot like two down two. or something? He shot some phenomenal score. He shot a really good score. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I know when I'm with really good archers is – like he'll make it, he would make a shot at say, let's say like 53 yards. Uh-huh. And I like, it's good, Kevin. He's like, well, where is it? And I was like, it's a three o'clock X. And he would reach up and give it a clicker. <laughs> yeah. And then the next one would go right in the middle. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. The three o'clock uh, X and they give it a click. You're like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> three o'clock X to me is golden. <laughs> I'm not touching anything. Yeah, same. But I'm like, all right. Cool. I also shot. You know, I saw at Reading one year Schlosser shot in the group, and he did the same thing. After every arrow, if it wasn't dead center, he made an adjustment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's guys who are just – they're at a level that is past my comprehension or my ability level. That's how, how well they hold their bows. Ah, give it time, Doug. Yeah. Get- <laughs> hey, I, nothing's going to get any better. My best hold was today because it's only going to deteriorate as <laughs> no, I get older. <laughs> no nonsense, dude. I like literally 
I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm no authority, right? But I can tell you that <laughs> just watching you shoot outdoors this year has been different than any other year that I've seen you shoot outdoors. Like you, you've ascended to like a new a new Doug right now. And uh, I think most people could tell. I think most people would tell you the same thing. Yeah. Either you're at, at time at times. I feel like that. I feel like I'm shooting good now. I've this is the first year in all my archery years I've had equipment issues at tournaments. I've never had that before. Uh huh. And they have been frustrating to say the least. Because mm-hmm. um, I've you- never the only, the only time I've ever had an equipment issue. One year at Reading, I had a washer blow out of the side of my axle. You know, a spacer washer. Oh. it cracked and it blew right out. But I only had like four targets to go. But when I would pull back, the cam would slide across until it hit the limb. Jesus. So I had to wait for it to slide across before I could let my arrow go. So <laughs> I, I lost a couple points. I didn't lose a ton, but probably a couple points because of it. And then I fixed it. It was fine. But so are you saying other that than that, this year is the year that you're not having equipment issues? No, I have. I had a, I broke a, um, a release on like the four or the eighth target at Lodi. My my release the springs inside broke. Just the release went dead. Holy crap! So I shot I shot Brent Brown's release for like three targets, and I wasn't super excited about that. And then <laughs> I uh, Antero um, gave me a release to shoot his backup that I shot the rest of that day. Uh-huh. Uh, so and it's not it's not the re- it's not that the releases are much different. A button's a button, mm-hmm. but you you do get a sense of comfort in your hand, and you understand the tension needed oh, to yeah. break the shot. So it was a little different, but ultimately, you still it's it's just archery. You you pull it back, you aim, you break a shot. If it goes in the middle, great. Uh, so I didn't. I probably lost a few points because of that, but overall, it, it is what it is. Yeah, dude. we all have some of those things we have to overcome. I know the deal. I'm super particular about thumb buttons, you know. Uh, yeah. So, so what release are you shooting now? I am the one I broke. Um, I just I got back from Stan. They they fixed. I literally good for them as I sent them the release on a Monday to New York, and I I had it back the following Monday. It arrived in the mail, fixed. Oh, sweet. So. I didn't shoot that one last week because, you know, sometimes I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, uh, but I set it up and I went out to shoot it and it was shooting fine. But if I tried to let it down, the, it was breaking loose uh-huh. and it was sending them into the dirt, into the backstop. And I was like, oh, something's wrong with this thing. Mm-hmm. So when I, I called Stan and the guy goes, hey, he goes, I think you just got it on the razor's edge of falling off the sear the way I have it set up. So uh-huh. he goes, go get your release and Alan wrench. And he goes, I'll, I'll talk you through it. And he talked me through it and put the time on the phone with me. And it was, it's perfect now. So I'm back to shooting the release I've always shot, which is the stand perfects long neck. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, Rudy's been ranting and raving about those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The new ones are, you know, allegedly in transit whatever their the new version of those are but <laughs> like everything <laughs> it's a very slow slow boat they're on i think yeah well, at least it's not a true ball product <laughs> yeah yeah well apparently the chris perkins releases are being shipped out so yeah i remember in vegas they said uh you can get one in june or july but yeah. i think well, lancaster has them, up, has them up now right yeah well look at their their 
they're doing better than what they said they would. Be yeah, there was a picture of them on the internet. There was hundreds of them laying there being shipped out. So. Oh shit! Yeah, I, uh, my buddies are all you know they're getting all hyped up about it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I would totally be down to try one if it had a button on it. So <laughs> yeah, I I've tried hinges. I've shot hinges sometimes, and I've shot them really well. But overall, <laughs> I feel I feel like I relax better with the button, just mm-hmm. the feeling of it. Um, so that's what I shoot. So. And, I have a question for you, Doug. Mm-hmm. How did you practice for the Break the Barriers event? Did you do anything special to nope, prepare? Nope, not for at it? all. You just shot no, nothing. You just uh, shot field rounds. Like, what? Where's your local yep, field? Mostly, mostly. I, I live like ten minutes from the Maya Range here in uh-huh. Roseville. So, since outdoor started, Randy Long and I meet every Tuesday, and we shoot and we rotate between like El Dorado Hills, Yolo, uh-huh. or Maya. Uh, we, we generally only go to YOLO when Mark can join us, if he can get going to work late or get off work early type thing. Uh-huh. Um, we've sh- I've shot a few times. We'll go up to, uh, uh, Nevada city. Like when, um, what was the Orland just had their shoot West Valley bow hunters. Right. We had basically what we, you know, a mercenary tournament. Well, you've been up there and shot the mercenary tournaments at Nevada city. We had, I think we had 12 guys show up and we put money in a pot and, we paid three places for uh, uh, for three different four teams. Each one it. had a winner. I love it when you guys so, do that. Yeah, and it's just it's not a big tournament, but you still feel the pressure because you're shooting for money, and that's yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar or a thousand dollars; you still feel it. Yeah. Oh, also shooting with you guys too. Like I feel like when money's on the table, everyone's heightened a little bit, and then you guys are already, you know what I'd call the nine, nine high teen shooters. Right. So you guys are going to be mm-hmm. nine, something high in the teens. So it's like that elevated is always like, okay, well you got to be on your game. <laughs> no, yeah. If you miss at your site, you might as well just pack it up and go home at that point, you know, cause uh, yeah. you guys yeah, are going to be on point. Yep. Yeah. It was, it, those are as good as practice as shooting any local tournament. Although I do like to support the local tournaments uh-huh. going out to West Valley and, shooting in wind doesn't do anything for confidence and confidence goes a long way. So I agree. Although, 100, 100%. although it, I, I guess it wasn't too windy out there. There were some, still some, I think Rubio shot an 18, which is if it was windy, that's a hell of an 18 in the wind. <laughs> God damn it, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to so, shoot uh, this weekend at the Maya event? Um, well, it's, I'm a member there, so I'm, I'm helping putting it on, but we shoot that as our club. 3d championship so you it's open to the the shoot is on saturday and then the members will shoot it on sunday as our own tournament so i will be shooting it i just won't get to shoot it along with the rest of the okay uh, guys so but i'll be out there rooting you on right on man well i'm hoping if it doesn't rain i'll be there i'll definitely be there and give you a big old uh victory kiss on the cheek for yeah i i think I looked at the weather tonight and it looks like there's, there's a chance of rain in the morning and then it's supposed to clear out, you know, early 11, 12. So, but we'll see, you know, it it could change in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, So Doug, what are you doing for Redding? Are are you, uh, are you just going to adhere to the same plan that you've been doing? I mean, I know you got the 75% mods on. The -hmm. only difference is you're just going to, I'd imagine hardwire your shot. 
Yeah, I mean, I think my bow is at a spot where it's as good as it's going to be for me. If it's going to be better, it's going to be on my end, not mm -hmm. the bow's end. So I'm going to be on the Mark Rubio school of if I want to shoot higher scores, I need to shoot better. <laughs> so I'm just going to shoot my bow. Uh, it seems like it's today. It it probably held us and, and everybody, you know, certain days you just feel better, whatever. Uh -huh. Today it held and shot as good as it shot in a long time. So I'm pretty comfortable with where it's at. So I'm just going to just keep shooting and, and hope that, you know, it's all about peaking at the right time, hoping that in a couple of weeks at Fresno, it starts to peak and that it continues into Reading. Hell yeah. Who's your partner in Fresno? Randy. Oh, so I'm, lucky. I'm shooting lucky every guy. tournament, every tournament this year, Randy and I are teamed up for, except for Reading because I had already committed to another partner before we Randy and I had teamed up. Who's so, your partner in Reading? Uh, Brian Webb. Oh, cool. Yeah, and Brian's been shooting really well. He, yeah, he shot. We I shot with him. He was on the same target with us in uh, Lodi, uh -huh. and he he really really shot well as well as I've seen him shoot. I was like, just keep going. I just because I'll you you know you shoot with people who are on those hot streaks. Uh -huh. They sometimes will pull you along, and all of a sudden you start. Yeah, pounding him in the middle too. So it was uh, it was fun to watch him shoot. Yeah, it's infectious. Uh, yeah, Brian's a stud. I love it. He's yeah. he's the yeah. dark horse. He's gonna yeah. He's always mm -hmm. he's always yeah. It. He's a solid, solid, solid shooter. So. Oh man, well uh, I think at the end of the season we got to get together and you guys just got to tell me what it's like to shoot with Randy. He's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I almost got to be his partner once for uh, like a substitute for outlaw. But yes, the last, last minute I couldn't. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, it's the, you know, oh, I'll just dream about it. I'll dream about it later. Yeah. No, R Randy's Randy's a, a great partner. One, because there's no target out there that he's not capable of hitting mm -hmm. everyone. He's capable of hitting and he hits the majority of them. So, yeah, it's easy to to be a partner when the guy steps up and drops a couple of them right in the dot, and then you yeah. just have to step up and follow along. Uh, it makes it easy. Yeah, uh, so. he takes a lot of pressure he, off. I'd and it's it's there's no there's no tension. You know, both of us know when we show up at a tournament, we're not. It's not life and death. We're not paying our mortgage. We're trying to win a couple <laughs> hundred bucks. So <laughs> we, you don't need to take it so damn serious that you get crazy with begging for points and oh yeah don't get me started on so, all that <laughs> well I, you know it happens uh we we can chat about that i'm not i'm not afraid and uh, so i i i did a whole episode about that and i ended up deleting it i ended up unpublishing yeah it. I, I i listened to it um someone sent me and said hey have you heard it and i was like no so i listened to it and i i don't think what you said was was technically wrong. I, I think the, when the word cheater comes up, I think people go, Whoa, that's like calling somebody a liar. <laughs> yeah. But there, there are people who I consider what I would consider a target bully, uh -huh. meaning that their status and their resume, they will, if they're not in a group of their peers, people that are on their same level, uh -huh. they will at times try and take advantage of that by saying, Hey, this is in for X, Y, or Z reason, or I'm pulling the line or this or that. Right. And the people they're shooting with presume that with this guy's resume or gals, if it was, but it uh -huh. wasn't, 
with, with their resume and their accolades, they must be right because they do this for a living. But that's not always true. Sometimes they're just trying to bully more points because right. they think- either have an ego or they don't want to have a bad day because they don't want people to see that they're human, whatever it may be. But right, right. There, there are plenty of target bullies out there. There yeah. are plenty of pro shooters out there who one-on-one would spend 20 minutes talking to someone like me who's not a pro shooter, but in a group of 20 other pros and me may not give me the time of day. Right. Those are the guys who are just, uh, they're in it for some reasons that, that I'm not in it for. Uh, I can sit and talk to a pro all day, or I could go sit and talk to somebody shooting a traditional bow. And if we have stuff in common, I'd sit there and talk to them too. So it's not, but, but I do think, and I, I mean, I don't know if everybody knew who you were talking to, but I, I talked to the guy that you're talking about, about that exact target. Mm Mm-hmm. And my opinion was, is he should have done a better job looking at the targets. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, and, and I don't remember in your, in your earlier podcast, if you talked about the target or if you just made reference to it. Um, I, I just made reference to it about, well, I'll clear the air. It's a, it was an, I think it was a 16 or 18 yard target mm-hmm. and it was like a, I don't know, a small brown one. It could have been a beaver, could have been a fox. It was just a, an ugly brown target. But it had a pretty small dot on it, like they all did. But with the naked eye, you didn't need binoculars. There were four of them you could choose from. One of them had a substantial indented cut line. The other three did not. Mm-hmm. This particular pro didn't take the time or didn't feel he needed to shoot the one with the cut line, shot and missed it, and you know, was up in arms over it and right. wanted to, to get the 12 instead of the 10 that he shot mm-hmm. because someone else in the group got the cut line on the one that had the cut line. Uh-huh. Well, to me, either you mismanaged the target by not glassing them and figuring out which one was the best based on your angle or which one presented the best option to shooting a 12. Um, or you were overconfident thinking, it doesn't matter at 16 yards. I'm going to pound this thing anyway. <laughs> okay, smoke it. <laughs> uh, but let me tell you, that's the one I aided. I shot an eight on that one because it was right at the cusp of the hill. And I just got caught in the wind. It was breaking and it was blowing left and boom, I oh. shot an eight on a 16 or 18 yarder. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, that just sucks. But the reality of it is, is I'm the only one who shot that arrow. Nobody else did. So right. I'm to blame for it. Right. And I also know that the, the, the person, tried to bully a few other targets and points. Yes. Um, and that's what got and, me. Uh, all and I, I, I understand that. I, and I don't think it's a cheating thing. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think it at his level, he's there to try and cheat the system. He, there was no contingency money there for him. Uh-huh. There was just team money for the most part. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think it was a matter of that. I, I think, People, you know, they, they want to shoot the best scores they can. And if they can, if the questionable calls can go their way every time, they're shooting the best score they can. Sometimes the questionable calls don't go your way and you obviously don't get as high a score as you can. Yeah. I think that's what happened. He was shooting with basically four other people that had never shot with him and he 
comes with a, you know, arguably one of the best resumes around. And mm-hmm. he just, he, I, I think there was some bulliness going on. Yes, I agree. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, uh, but I, I don't think it was a cheating thing. I think it was a bully thing. And, uh, I think you put that same person in a group with five other big time pros. There won't be that any might of that. happen. That yeah. might be happening one time before someone tells them to, yeah. you know, kick rocks, sh- sh- shut the fuck up and move <laughs> on. That, that arrow's out. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, Doug. The, the way you put it is so much more eloquent than, you know, the way I did. And you didn't have to go throwing around the C word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, you know, and it, it is what it is. I, I don't think, I think every tournament has some of those people and it's. Oh yeah, without a doubt. It's really, it's, it's very difficult. It's, you know, it's just archery, but it's still, it does take a little courage to stand up to the bully, whether it's I archery agree. or any other sporting event or just uh, uh, something that happens in life when people are bullying people. Yeah. And if you're, you know, it's, it's one thing to stand up to the bully who might be hurting somebody, but a bully who's just trying to squeeze some points in that doesn't affect you, you might go, I don't care. The, the, let him let him take those two points. The <laughs> that, only thing is, I feel like the people in his group were trying to manage their own mental game, and I think it yeah. would. I think that kind of behavior screws the correct screws them. You can. You can affect other people by your actions on your bail, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, and, uh, you know the, the the state indoor this year when we shot it. Oh um, yeah, it was an absolute shit show to start that tournament, <laughs> and I guarantee you there are people that lost some points because during the first few ends they were still thinking about the shit show as opposed yes. to yes. executing their shot, and that is. That is, uh, I don't know. It's just a poor way to go about uh, yes. an archery tournament. I think to me. you guys got a raw deal, or the rest of us got a advantage. Well, yeah, but but it's all you know. Like I was part of that shit show in the scheme of I was shooting there, and I was uh, partially involved in the discussion. We'll call it. Uh-huh. Um, but when it was time to shoot, it's still up to me to clear my mind yes. and focus and shoot a good shot. So I don't blame um, anybody else for that. I mean, I remember one year at the state indoor, Tommy, Tom Daly Sr. had a medical emergency, and we had like three ends left. And I mean, I've known Tom since I was probably like 11 years old. And when I went back to shoot my last three ends after he was taken care of, I couldn't – I mean, I was shaking. So – I was, those are for me to manage, not for, there's nobody else to blame for that. Tom's not to blame because he had an issue. I'm to blame because I couldn't settle myself well enough to shoot well. So those are, those are on me, but I do, I mean, I do know who was in his group to, at the break the barriers thing, the one we're talking about Uh and arguably two of the nicest people in archery. So (laughs) for them to have to go through that, uh, it's a damn shame, but it is because, their, that was probably their first impression with him, yeah. and now that is slightly tainted when ultimately he is a really good dude. <clears throat> He's just at times can be a bully. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was a big, you know, that, I, I was a huge fan. You know, I you know I 
I fan out over shooters all the time, so you know that's yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll but, take take myself out of it though at this point because yeah, I wasn't it, there, it's, so it's not you know it shouldn't be. And 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 it didn't last long. Break the barriers did remedy that target. They were, I think we were about four groups behind. Uh huh. And when we were one target in front of before that, they had changed one out, and so there were two of them that had identical cut lines. And I think by the time we got to it, there were three of the four that had identical cut lines. So they were made aware of it and were remedying it as fast as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ultimately it probably didn't change the outcome of the tournament one bit. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I don't think anybody in those top five, six, seven places were, if two points meant, I don't think anything was moved. No one was moving up or down. The, the dispersion of points were more than that. Right. Right. So I would agree. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so, well, Doug, uh, let's see. You're also, are you one of the organizers for the Outlaws? I wouldn't say I'm an organizer. It you, really still is. You're just a clever um, suggestion guy? <laughs> I help out some. Uh, <laughs> so, we're doing more. We're really just, you know, like Mark Rubio, Randy Long, and myself kind of got added to help the Outlaw guys. Not because we're any better than anybody else, but it's to eliminate some of the workload on Randy Tucker, Heather Tucker, Uh Tommy Daly and Ben Hobbs. They were carrying the load. And if you're not behind the scenes, looking at what the load is, there's a lot of work that goes in, especially the Saturday night after day one, figuring out payouts, stuffing envelopes, organizing the teams top to bottom. So you're shooting with peer groups. There, it, it's a, like about a three or four hour process we spend on the Saturday night. Jesus. So, and it's after uh, shooting. We're, yeah, we're there really to just help take some of the workload off of them, and it also means that they don't have to go to every single tournament uh, if they can't get there. Like for Randy and Heather, because they're involved in Straight Arrow for Reading, going to Fresno the week before Reading to put on an outlaw really taxes their workload because they, uh-huh. I mean, they do have jobs too. So yeah. I don't think Randy, Heather or Ben Hobbs will be in Fresno. It'll be myself, Mark, uh, Randy and Tommy. Uh, so uh, th- that's what m- my role is. I, 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 t- I show up and say, hey, what would you like me to do? And that's what I do for them. Uh, oh, that's really cool. I, I, we don't, uh, we don't try and I don't try and, nothing's changing in this scheme of because I said to do it. We, we round, we have meetings and we round table some suggestions mm-hmm. that will maybe make things better. Yeah. Which I think this year has been really good with the flight system. Yeah, that, was had, your, we, that was your brainchild uh, is the flight system. It, it, it was multiple people. We had, it's been talked about for a couple of years. It's just like anything, it's hard to make change uh-huh. when you have something that's working because if if it's working, like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh-huh. But sometimes, even if it's not broke, can you make it better? And I, I think ultimately we have made the outlaw better with the flight system. And people are getting paid and s- substantial pay in the scheme of things that would have never sniffed a paycheck at an outlaw <laughs> tournament based on their score. But now these guys are you know, putting $30 in the pot and some of them are walking away with 300 yes. and they shot 
you know, they shot a 1265 right. before a 1265 wouldn't get you a participation award. So they're really, it's really getting more involvement in it. Right. I, I think that alone is going to blow up the outlaws to be, you know, double uh, uh, yeah. you know, of well, what it is. It's happening now. You know, the outlaws is going to be growing and I think, I think it's going to be, you know, even bigger. I think it's just going to get bigger. It's going to be awesome. I, I think it's going to venture into some other shoots too. Um, break the barriers goal is to, to grow the team side of it. And uh-huh. there's been talk about how to do that. And, you know, there's, uh, I'm not a big fan of the $4,000 shot and the $1,500 shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think they had about $3,500 worth of team entry money and they paid that back in the team thing. But then they had this $5,500 that basically eight people shot off for four grand and eight people shot off for 1500 grand or 1500 one arrow. Uh But take, for example, Jesse and Blair who shot the highest team score there. They made, I don't know, 450 bucks, 500 bucks each. Uh-huh. But yet the $4,000 prize didn't go to them because they didn't shoot one arrow out of 102. <laughs> That's the one that meant the most. Right. So I would like to see them take some of that $5,500 extra money, put it into the team payout and flight it. Uh-huh. You don't, you don't need to have any mulligans. Just sign up with a partner and run you flights. shoot it after day one, you flight it just like they do in Vegas. You pay a third of the field and you spend that money out against everybody, and I think you'll get a lot more. Because we only had 25 teams there, uh-huh. but I don't know how many people were there, maybe five or 600, and you'll get people who are going to participate in that. You can lower the team entry fee because you're going to have so many more participants. The, right. the purse is going to grow anyway. Right. So uh, I would hope I, I hope something like that, happens between now and the next one to grow it um but we'll see you know it's not you know that's an nfaa break the barriers thing that they'll have to decide if if is the best way to grow the team aspect of it um flighting it is it to change the mulligan system to where you know kind of like an outlaw thing you could have a mulligan from one to seven or eight and based on a previous high score I don't know how they're going to do it or what they're going to do, but if they're looking to expand that participation in the team event, that would be the way to do it. Man. And potentially, I mean, because the rounds are so long, I I think they could, you know, maybe do 40 targets a day instead of 51. (laughs) You know, the the 51 is still, you know, because that shoot started out as the, the R100. Yeah, the R100, I remember. So that was a, you know, an R100 thing was 100 targets. Well, yeah. since it's not an R100 and the days are getting really long because of the volume of participation and it is spread out a, a long way, I don't think it would hurt to go to 40 targets. You'd save at least an hour of shooting time. Right. Uh, and you wouldn't have so many. We, I mean, we had back to back, like a 16 yarder followed by an 18 yarder or something similar to that. You're like, uh-huh. I hardly even moved my sight. You know, kind of like redundant, redundant. uh, Yeah, so you you could potentially eliminate some of those. Uh, 
and speed up the process, you increase participation in the team event, fighting it. I think a lot you, of people would try to sign, you know, I mean, if it was a lot, if they had open registration for teams, I think a lot of people would be doing it on the spot with that kind of, yes. uh, you know, no, uh, no different than outlaws. People didn't, you know, you can read it and you don't understand it, but then when you get there and they're explaining it to you and you're like, uh, you, no you're saying for, <laughs> for 25 bucks, I could win $700 and uh-huh. I, it's, it could just be a flight. Yeah. Yeah. Sign me up. Here's my 25 because <laughs> yeah. it's no different than shooting flights in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can shoot in an 850 in Vegas and make a $1,200 oh, yeah. you're in the right flight. Oh, so, yeah. and the flights are not, it, they're just randomized based on number of participants and uh, where the, the scores break off. Right. So, so there's, there's, there's ways to make it better. Not that it's not, it's a great shoot now. I just think it could be better if you spread that, that money around to more people mm-hmm. could be refined. I've always said that if, if it costs me a hundred dollars to enter an event and at the end of the day, someone hands me a, an envelope with $25 in it, I feel like a winner. <laughs> and but, so if you're, if you're passing out more envelopes with, with money in them, more people feel like they're, they've done something or they've accomplished something and that will only grow because they're going to go tell their buddies and they're yeah. going to tell their buddies. And ultimately you get more participation and, that ultimately leads to more money for the organizers to, to use for, for their end of it. They're, you know, break the barriers does a ton of um, educational and oh, yeah. beneficial things for veterans. So yeah, for veterans too, more yeah. participation means that they make more money in the long run and grow their organization. So I'm hoping that those kind of things change uh, right. as we go forward, but we'll see. Uh, Mike and Jared are certainly, not close-minded by any means they're very open-minded to change and making it better so i would think those kind of things will get roundtabled between now and right. the next break the barriers with bruce from nfaa and how they want to proceed and so forth so Ooh, it should man. only get better i hope i can mix it up with you guys well you've been down there you've mixed it up i saw you with a belt buckle last year i that was last year though like you, you want to talk about uh not having a competition I, I did I did it on the right year. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can picked, tell you this. I picked the year. <laughs> the scores this year for the team event were substantially Way higher, higher to get right? in the money yes. than last year, yes. and a lot of that is because the Arizona Cup preceded this, where uh, last year it shared the same date, and a lot of those USA archery guys they they have to go to Arizona Cup because uh-huh. they're getting team points for it they're getting contingency money for it uh-huh. um so they have to but when it wasn't the year before you know you had a bunch of those guys here again but uh, when it doesn't fall on the same date the scores were substantially higher oh yeah uh, i could tell just by looking like just looking at the scores i was like holy crap i mean yeah i think also when guys like Broadwater and you know Cousins and uh, mm-hmm. Gillingham, all these guys are coming from all over. I mean the the big dogs are going to come out, you know, because they're going to want to. Correct. They're going to want to battle those guys, you know. Mm-hmm. So and is if and when the events get bigger, that's when the manufacturers start stepping up and putting contingency money out there too. Uh-huh. You know, they uh, most manufacturers set their contingency monies that ahead of time. You'll they'll tell you what tournaments have what money. Uh-huh. But if the participation's up there, then they, they almost get 
pushed into making it um, having contingency and paying for travel for their their main guys to come out and shoot it. So uh, that that will grow. And if that happens, you better believe they better flight it because people like me, <laughs> I got no chance of beating the Jesses, the Daves, the you know even like Gaius Carter. People don't realize it. Yeah, Gaius Carter was there. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that guy is a young gun when it comes to archery. He mm-hmm. is a stud of a shooter. He's still in his twenties. Um, I, I, I think I, someone said he was twenty-three. Yeah. So he's a fucking uh, child. Yeah, he's he's I'm twice his age plus some. So <laughs> he is. Uh, but there were there were several top shooters there uh, from around the country, and then there were still top shooters from from our area that did really well too. So uh, I, I expect to see uh, something change for them that will uh, make that event more appealing to the big pros, but also uh, give the the average archer a chance to get in on a money shoot and make money off it. Well, no different than Vegas. They could run it just like Vegas, flight it, and the participation would skyrocket in mm-hmm. the, the money part. Yeah, well... Don't ever count yourself out, Doug. All right, because uh, we're getting—I mean, you're getting better. It's not like you're going the other direction here, you know. Well, some days I feel like I am. Some days I don't see as well. I don't hold as well. The only thing I should do is just go back to my couch, crochet, take my <laughs> medicine, and go to bed. <laughs> you know what's funny is when I asked you if you wanted to do this show, I asked, I was like, do you have a bedtime? And I almost thought like for a minute, like, oh, is he going to take that the wrong way? <laughs> just because <laughs> I have a bedtime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, nope, oh, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. <laughs> well, uh, Doug, thanks for being a guest on my show, man. Absolutely, dude. Uh, it's such a pleasure to see. Uh, I, I I'm just happy to see how everyone's shooting, uh, especially yeah. you. And um, well, what you did this weekend was nothing short of incredible. And I know well, you're gonna you. you're gonna downplay it because all you Expendables guys do that. <laughs> but um, it was amazing. You did great, dude. And uh, well, thank you. I, I, I thanks was, for having me on to chat. I appreciate it. Yeah, you thank do a great you, man. Job at your your podcast. It's uh, uh, you know I have some missteps it, here it, and there. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? That's those are those are life's growing pains, and uh, but overall, what you do is you're trying to make it. You're trying to take some of the learning curve out for new people, which is well, super helpful. And then and, also teach like the stuff that you talked about tonight. Is I mean, I'm not going to say I'm like quote advanced, right? But the stuff that you talked about is stuff that I've never done, uh, like as far as your center shot tuning or even your sight marks, and that's all stuff that I'm like, oh, I'm doing that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think even for guys that have some experience, there's there's still information here to be gotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Every, always like that, but I don't know. I've, I've probably called or texted you a dozen times in the last year for help, and you've never not had a good answer for me. So uh, well, you're doing exactly what you say you want to do, and that's help people. So I, uh, well, I, I'm not the only one who appreciates your podcast and – Think you do a good job. So, oh shit! Thanks, keep buddy. it up. Thanks a lot, Doug. Yeah. Yep, well, sounds good, man. I'll see you in Reading. I'm gonna miss Fresno, but I'll see you in Reading. All right, I'll be there with bells on. All right, beat him up in Fresno. All right, man. Take right. care. Take care, pal. All right, bye bye. I got one little, one last little treat here. I want to leave you guys with. It's a little bit of motivational um, audio. It's from something I play in my head all the time. Uh, 
when it seems like you have to shoot against um, some crazy odds, right? Or you're shooting against people that are extremely strong shooters. I just want you guys to listen to this little clip. It's from a it's from a '90s movie. It can be done. Do you believe it, Bob? Believe it? I don't know, Charles. Huh? I don't think it'll work, Charles. It will work. No. It will work. What one man can do, another can do. You can't kill the bear, Charles. He's he's ahead of us all the time. It's like he's reading our minds. He's stalking us, for God's sakes. He. You want to die out here, huh? Well, then die. I tell you what, I'm not going to die. No, sorry. I'm not going to die. No, I'm going to kill the bear. Say it, I'm going to kill the bear. Say it, I'm going to kill the bear. Say it. Say I'm going to kill the bear. Say it. I'm going to kill the bear. Say it again. I'm gonna kill the bear. And again! I'm gonna kill the bear! Good! What one man can do, another can do! What one man can do, another can do! And again! What one man can do, another can do! And again! What one man can do, another can do! Yeah! You're goddamn right. 